What is the perfect story? We may not know, but tonight is Oscar night when Tinseltown will hand out its highest honors to the stories that hit us hardest. Join us for this special bonus episode of The Midnight Myth, where we'll take a tour through the nominees, what they meant to us, and where they stand in the canon. I'm Derek Jones. And I'm Laurel Hostack. Welcome to The Midnight Myth. It's Oscar night. It's Oscar night, ladies and gentlemen. So excited for the Oscars. We've got Oscar fever here at the Midnight Myth. And uh, whatever you may think of award shows, however important you think they really may be in determining the merit of a film, we always think it's fun to dive into movies that we might not have seen otherwise and learn something about ourselves in the process. And so we're having a lot of fun having a little bit of an Oscar marathon here at the Midnight Myth House and diving into what I think our predictions are and what we can get from those movies. Yeah, I mean, I think the Oscars on face value are, one could argue very easily that they're superfluous, uh, that they're political, and not political in the like red red state, blue state political, but political in the politics of Hollywood. And for a lot of reasons... You could criticize the Oscars, and rightly so. You know, Oscars uh, have made tons of mistakes. I'm looking at Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction losing Best Picture to Forrest Gump. Absolute travesty. Should have never happened. Um, And so I still think overall the opportunity for the film community, the movie community, and us fans to come together and discuss great movie making to discuss great actors and directors and sound editors and cinematographers and to see these honored awards be handed out. I think it still to me matters. It matters because it helps expose me to different elements of one of my favorite art forms, movie making. Um, It helps expose me to different stories and it forces me to see things that might have otherwise not been on my radar it encourages critical thinking around movie making, which can so often become a passive form of entertainment. And it encourages us to look closer, which is what we're all about at The Midnight Myth. So if you are just joining us today, this is, of course, a special bonus episode. We usually produce one episode a week that explores one of your favorite pop culture stories and its mythological, philosophical, or historical roots. So later today, we'll also be hitting you with our latest regular episode, which is our roundup on Black Panther. So if you have enjoyed what you hear, make sure to check out our episodes weekly. If you want to get in touch with us about anything you hear tonight, if you uh, think we missed the mark in terms of our Oscar predictions or analysis, please let us know. Or if you agree, we'd also love to hear from you. You can tweet us at The Midnight Myth on Twitter. You can visit us on Facebook or on Instagram at Midnight Myth Podcast or visit our website, www.midnightmyth.com to drop us a line there. And if you're enjoying what you hear, make sure you hit that subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review so we can get out there and reach more people. 
All right. So I'd like to just start by saying 2017 was a fucking year for movies. It was a year for movies. It really was. There were so many amazing movies, uh, more so than any one award show could ever encapsulate. We saw the latest installment of Star Wars, uh, Logan, Get Out, uh, uh, just to name some of the, these like huge blockbuster movies uh, that were all freaking fantastic. We saw Christopher Nolan's latest uh, effort in Dunkirk, which was to some a masterpiece and to some a travesty, which is so interesting in terms of the divides that arise when fans collide, if you will. Absolutely. And I think uh, we're going to try to talk about things. Um, there will probably be spoilers. We're not going to hold anything back, but this isn't about majorly spoiling it. So if you haven't seen all the movies, we'll hopefully not ruin them for you. And full disclaimer, of the Best Picture uh, nominees, we have seen six. Yeah, of six them. out of nine. Is that right? Yeah. So we have seen Get Out, Lady Bird, uh, The Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, um, Shape of Water, Shape and, three of billboards. Water and Three Billboards. We have not seen Call, Call Me, Me By, by Your Name. Name. Um, we have not seen The Post. Or Phantom Thread. Or Phantom Thread. Yeah. So those movies are the ones that we haven't gotten to. And honestly, we would have. They're just not available to rent right now. So yeah, it's just not enough time. Yeah. Shame on you for not putting it out to rent before the Oscars because we would have rented them. <laughs> um, so I'd like to start with, you know, I can think I can say safely, nobody wants the post to win. I haven't seen the movie but does anyone want that movie to win an award? So I don't I don't know how people feel about it who have seen it, but we definitely get the sense from the post and to a certain extent from Darkest Hour and even Dunkirk that it is more of a formulaic Oscar movie. It is basically calculated to win awards. It's in the same camp as The King's Speech or as like The Imitation Game or Theory of Everything, which are really classically structured uh, character studies that are also about really heavy subjects like war or politics or the building of a nation. Uh, so it's definitely in the world that usually gets Oscar nods, but we're in a really progressive time when we're starting to push boundaries, I think, with the kind of movies that are winning awards. And as uh, as a people and as the Academy, which I think is welcoming a lot of younger people, a lot of the younger generation this year, it's looking for a lot more innovation. So I think we're probably looking at some of the other nominees to clinch that best picture. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with making the quote unquote four year consideration movie, a movie made to attract award buzz. Absolutely. And that's yeah. its prime motivator. There, there's nothing necessarily like wrong. And I don't discredit that. But you got Steven Spielberg directing, who I love, one of my favorite all time directors, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Heavyweights all around. So when you have... All three of them. The reason I personally don't want to see them, them win any Oscars, share the freaking love. They've got plenty. You know, they, they they have, you know, little like statues must fill their houses with all of the awards and accolades. For me, where I'm at in 2018, reflecting on 2017, I'd like to see some some new faces win some awards. I agree. Yeah. And not necessarily new in that they're new to Hollywood, but people that haven't really won. Like, I would much rather see a Christopher Nolan, a Guillermo del Toro, or a, oh God, who directed Lady Bird? Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. I'd rather see one of them win a Best Director, you know, because 
They've never, they've never won before. It'd be amazing to see a woman uh, win. And, um, you know, and their efforts were absolutely fantastic in those movies that you're, you're speaking of. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so they're, it's absolutely deserved all around. Uh, so that's kind of our opinions on the post, but right. of the, of the movies that we, we'll, we'll see it eventually. We will, of course, of the movies that we saw and the movies that we really loved, uh, I'd love to kind of make our way through and talk about what awards we think it has the best chance of winning. I want to start with three billboards. How do you feel about that? Cool. Let's do it. Okay. So we watched three billboards, which has been, uh, one of the heavy, heavily favored, uh, best picture nominees. So it's up there with shape of water as the most likely to win, according to most sources who are out there predicting, uh, Three Billboards is, of course, the Martin McDonough written and directed story of the bereaved mother in Ebbing, Missouri, uh, who takes out uh, a rental on three billboards outside of her town that call out the local chief of police for not arresting anyone in the rape and murder of her daughter. It's a heavy subject, and it's a movie that's really about cycles of violence and anger that only serve to produce more anger and pain, and how it's most important in a time of incredible revenge, of anger and violence, to not meet with that same energy, to meet anger with love. It's a movie that certainly hits home in 2017, 2018. Uh, it's a movie that speaks to where we are as a country. And it's a movie with messages that that do sink in. But I think a lot of the criticism and controversy around this movie has been really interesting in terms of where it falls in its likelihood to win. How did you feel about it? Uh, zero chance it wins Best Picture. No no, no way. I am calling it right now. It has zero Best Picture chance. I think one of the reasons for that is the Academy wants to pick something like three billboards, but something that doesn't bring the loaded conversation that three billboards brings. That loaded conversation is one around race. Right. And it's sort of uh, uh, racial tone deafness that yeah, it has it, it in the movie. It sidesteps that entire issue. You know, it has a few characters who are African-American and they're very much side props to the main story, which happens to the white people when it's dealing with a town that's openly racist. And it's dealing allegorically with a subject that is so heavily in, in America today, it is so heavily tied to race and class in America. And so it's very difficult to watch that movie and not think of Charlottesville and not think of Ferguson and not think of how do we understand righteous anger and how to move forward and, and transcend that into a place of progress. And yet the movie refuses to acknowledge that with its own black characters. Yeah, and I think one of the things that is clear when I when I saw Three Billboards, um, I kind of wish I didn't know that the writer and director wasn't American going into it, but knowing that, it was clear to me that this that the writer and director wanted to do an intimate portrayal of an American town and really didn't know what an American town is actually like. Right. And because of that, I think it failed to capture a lot of the nuance uh, that it wanted to. It tells a really great story. It tells it uh, very well. It, the acting in it is superb, but I think at its core, its script uh, doesn't really deliver its full goods. As well as, I don't think um, it able it is able to capture and fully critique the American experience 
in a way that um, I think is best picture worthy. I agree. I felt like it was the first draft of a really good script. And I say this as someone who really loves Martin McDonough as a writer. Uh, I think he's really talented as a, as a playwright. I've seen a lot of his plays and uh, I, I think he's super smart. He's wickedly funny. He delves into in most of his writing, a place that is tender and that is painful and that is also really hilarious and scary. And it was sort of sad for me to see this effort, which I wonder if there is a a conflict between his sort of Irish British sensibility and humor and like putting that into American mouths that just didn't come across, but it felt very tonally unfocused to me. Yeah. So it felt like it was it was a story that was so close to there, but didn't quite reach the heights that it could have. And I'd say this too, in a year that isn't as strong as this year, it probably could have swept the awards. Yeah. But there are just, frankly, there are better movies on the list. And it has been sweeping awards in the in the awards season leading up to the Oscars. So that's why it's still a big contender for Best Picture. It will most likely clinch Best Actress for Frances McDormand, which yeah, is certainly I to- deserved. I totally think she'll win Best Actress. I, I think of all of the people nominated, you have Sally Hawkins, The Shape of Water, Frances McDormand, Three Billboards, uh, Margot Robbie, I, Tanya. Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, Thank and you for, of course, Lady Streep. Thank you for, for bailing me out on her name, because I was going to brutally like mess it up. But I wouldn't be surprised if she was a uh, uh, took that from Frances McDormand. I agree. It wouldn't be a total shocker, which maybe we should then talk about Lady Bird as a segue. Yeah. So Lady Bird was freaking amazing. I loved every second of Lady Bird. It was a very, very good movie. Yeah, uh, I thought it was... Deeply specific, deeply personal uh, as this character study and this coming of age story that is very aware of its roots in John Hughes. Like it was calling out Pretty in Pink and Sixteen Candles at times really subtly, but then moved on with this really nuanced portrait of a teenage girl that I haven't really seen before. And so I was really moved by it. And a lot of a lot of my love of the film can be explained by the fact that her experience is very close to mine. Um, in terms of just the specific things that happened to her on this journey of coming of age. And I'm sure that's the same story for a lot of people from my generation. Um, but the portrait of, uh, you know, the, the sort of mother-daughter love story that is the most, like, the most important and also the most painful and most complicated relationship a woman will ever have is that relationship with her mother. It was deeply moving to me. And it's accented by gorgeous performances from Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she clinched that for an upset as well. And I would love to see that. For the the best actress. Yeah. And she's been nominated like five times before um, because she's been, she's been acting since she was a teensy little girl. She was just nominated for Brooklyn a couple years ago. Didn't see it. Yeah. She's amazing. I love yeah. Her. And, well, she was amazing in Lady Bird without a doubt. And, um, I think uh, Lady Bird, to me, has a really good shot at best director uh, for Greta. Greta, what's her last name again, love? Gerwig. Gerwig. So Greta Gerwig. I just didn't want to mess it up. I think she has a really, really good shot of of stealing that best director nod. I wouldn't say stealing it. That's probably not the right word. Getting the award. Yeah. A steal in the respect that, like, you're out dueling, um, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Christopher Nolan, who are like super director heavyweights. Yeah. And so is Paul Thomas Anderson. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Jordan Peele as the other one. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Greta Gerwig take that award because 
that movie was uh, technically just perfect. Yeah, and pitch perfect performances, really smart uh, visuals, and really uh, unassuming. I think in the way that it that it moves through that story and just beautifully paced. Yeah, it's a reminder that you don't need humongous special effects to really flex amazing uh, chops with the camera. And I think that's one of the things that Lady Bird just totally knocked out of the park. I thought the coloring in the movie was great. Yeah. Um, That it was designed to look a little non-digital. Yeah, to look like 2002. Yeah, to, to look just on the precipice of real digital filmmaking. You know, there were only a few really like fringe franchises Uh, doing things digitally around 2002. It's right after like the Star Wars prequels, Lord of the Rings movies that were really high into digital technology. So I thought the way it was shot was really good, which also surprises me that it didn't get a best cinematographer nod. Yeah. uh, I mean, I think cinematography nods are often going to go to the more ostentatious in terms of their, uh, their actual use of that art form. Um, So it's, it's, very rare that we'll see a simpler, more unassuming film break that. But the fact that uh, that you notice the work that goes into the color correction and the sort of digital grading of that um, of that story, and the fact that you uh, are just transported along this like really just beautiful transformation of a place like Sacramento is important. That it turns the mundane into the really powerful and specific and beautiful. And yeah. I think that's one of the major strengths of the movie from the writing to the acting to the direction. I'd love to see it get a best original screenplay as well. Um, and I would love to see Greta Gerwig uh, win that director award, especially just as an FU to the Golden Globes who did not nominate her for that award at all. So it would be nice to see her come out on top. Oh, it is up for best original screenplay. I think it it has a really good shot of winning best original screenplay. I agree. I, I do. I, I think um, it, it's going to be up there. It's hard to think of a movie that out screenplays it. Yeah. That's a thing. And it's up against Get Out and Shape of Water and The Big Sick, which I know are big favorites. Uh, and Get Out, of course, is a really brilliant and really unique screenplay. So it's up against some heavy competition, but I think that's my pick for Best Original Screenplay. And if I were voting, I would probably give it Best Picture. I was about to say, where do you think it falls in the Best Picture? So you would give it Best Picture. Do you think it wins Best Picture? I think it has a, uh, I think it has a 60 40% chance. Oh, like, wow. But 40, so it's like, lo- I think it's 40. Oh, I think so you that think- Shape of Water will probably clinch it over Lady Bird, but mm-hmm. I think it, it has the next most likely uh, probability, and I'm talking mostly out of my ass for that. Sure. But- no, I'm, whatever. You know, it's our bonus <laughs> episode. <laughs> we don't have a methodology behind the but, 60-40, but that doesn't matter. But speaking as someone who loved almost everything on that list this year, it is my favorite. Yeah, I Lady Bird, I, I think one of the... The, the buzz is around it as, as a film is that people are saying it is as close to perfect as perfect can be. It really is. And I do agree with that. However, I think the one thing that it lacks in best pictureness, if that's such a thing, which it isn't, but I'm inventing it. So it lacks to me the real punch of a best picture. It lacks volume. It lacks that it, it it's more subtle. It's more, yeah. it's more calm. It's more gracious. 
And I think a best picture typically has an element of punch you in the stomach. Yeah. Better or worse. You know, so Moonlight, which won last year, uh, was a brilliant and beautiful and great movie and one whose story like resonated deep into an emotional core. Lady Bird doesn't really have that, you know, and because it doesn't really have that, I think it doesn't get best picture. I mean, speak for yourself. You saw my ugly tears, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So yes, because you completely identify with the experience of the characters. So someone like myself who doesn't, I didn't get fully pulled in to that adventure on an emotional level as I did with some of the other uh, movies on this list. Absolutely. And because of that, I think, and, and, I don't say that to discredit Lady Bird because it's a work of art. It's amazing. Everyone go see it and support it. Like, it's fantastic. That being said, I also could be talking out of my ass and I could easily see it take home the best picture. Yeah. I do think it has a real shot. It really is an interesting year for this. Um, Since you mentioned cinematography in the context of Lady Bird, I would love to move to Darkest Hour. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Darkest Hour, the Gary Oldman playing Winston... Winston Churchill. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about it. So just starting from the cinematography angle, that's what struck me the most about that movie was the work that it did with the camera and the work that it did with light. Um, We were just speaking about how best cinematography is usually going to go to something that is a little more obvious in its its movement, in its uh, color, in its... its power in its composition. And I think Darkest Hour doesn't necessarily, uh, it doesn't necessarily like punch you in the face with its cinematography, but it is so powerful in the storytelling. The, uh, the lighting artists and the director of photography and the cinematographer are working to tell you a story in as much, uh, in as, in as much power as the language of the script itself. So we see almost every shot for most of the film is natural light and there's this sense of sort of diffusion of that light. And you talked about Lady Bird working to kind of move backward and make it look less digital to, to line up with 2002. But I felt like um, I felt like Darkest Hour was working to imitate celluloid. Like we were watching a classic movie on a projector with light shining through it. It was just totally luminous. And every shot, every scene was framed so gorgeously. There was an amazing choreography in the camera work as well. But we're looking at every shot looking like a painting. And it was so striking to me in terms of how it told that story. Yeah, the uh, I, I will give a specific part where I thought the cinematography was jaw-dropping. Um, you know, it's about the start of World War II for Britain and about the Germans, you know, pretty much surrounding and taking over all of Europe. And ironically, it's also about the escape of Dunkirk, another movie yeah. taking place at the exact same time, which is kind of cool yeah. and kind of crazy when you think about. They're almost companion films. Yeah. Two movies dealing with the same thing. One dealing with the side from the soldier's point of view, the other one from Winston Churchill's point of view. And leaving you with such a different emotional experience. Yeah. But there's a scene where uh, Winston Churchill uh, sends orders to a commander that he ordered essentially on a suicide mission. And the commander gets the orders and the orders are, by the way, there's no evacuation. Like you're all fucked. Yeah. And the, the commander is walking through talking to the troops and the camera is just following him. And then as he's talking, he's opening up the orders. He's like talking to the troops, trying to keep the morale up. He reads the orders 
and he looks up and the camera just goes up. And then what do we see? We see the Nazi ships that then just bomb and blow up the base. Yeah. And I thought that was some of the most artful and well done cinematography to me. The darkest, um, the darkest hour is the best cinematography pick. That's what I think as well. I think it, it, I don't know if it wins it. It should, um, you know, I think there are some other really good arguments on that list. Yeah, it is up against Blade Runner, which, of course, in terms of uh, art direction and like visual effects, is one of the most gorgeous and stunning films I've ever seen. True, true. You know? I, I, I just think there was a there was more humanity in the Darkest Hour, and there was more purpose. There was much more purpose in the um, in the moves that the camera made, and in the uh, in the use of light, and in the a uh, story that is telling through its framing and composition. Yeah, a lot of uh, Blade Runner 2049 was done just to do it. Right. Which, yeah. nothing wrong with that, but it to me, it's I think... It's done for just, you know, stunning effect. I also think Darkest Hour, if we look at the best actor list, we have Gary Oldman on there. Yeah. Uh, I think he is going to take it home. He is the odds-on favorite, and uh, as we know, the Oscars will sometimes reach for a... Um, this is not to discount his performance in Darkest Hour at all, because I did think it was really a masterclass. It was very measured. It was meticulous. Um, but the Oscars will sometimes award actors on a bit of a lifetime achievement basis. So if we look at Leo DiCaprio, who was nominated like five times before he was actually honored with the award, I don't know that we can say The Revenant was his greatest performance ever, but after so many years of consistently good work, it was like, finally, it's his time. Same thing with Scorsese and The Departed. Absolutely. Which The, the Departed was a great movie, but... But it's after, not his absolute best, is yeah, it? Right. After his snub on Goodfellas and Casino and so many other, you know, amazing movies, it was just his time to win his Best Director Oscar. Right. And but, there is an, there is a chance of an upset from Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name. Uh, people are talking about his performance a lot. Um, and we of course haven't seen that yet, but we've heard such amazing things about the conviction with which he plays that kid and the inner turmoil of that story. So it will be interesting to see who takes it home. Every, you know, actor on the lead actor list is amazing. Yeah. Oh God. Daniel Kaluuya's performance in Get Out was so effective and so powerful. Um, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, you can't ever count him out. He's also said it's his farewell to acting. So this could be a really interesting fight. And then, of course, there's Denzel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Denzel, who is like, so He's you Denzel. Have, you have you have Denzel Washington and Daniel Day Lewis, arguably the two greatest living actors on that list. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So it's like you know, it, it it's a tough it's tough for anyone going against those two because they're so amazing and so prolific and just so fantastic at their craft. But I think it's Gary Oldman's year. So it's his time. That yeah. would be my pick for for lead actor. I don't see it winning Best Picture, The Darkest Hour, that is. I don't either. I don't think it should. No. I We both loved it. We both thought it was a really effective and interesting movie. And the, uh, the sort of message that it leaves you with about the power of language to completely change the world, I think, is something that is needed in this time. I think it does speak to 2018 through uh, the past and through the leaders of the past, um, and it tells us that words really do matter and that our words can can shape the the world order. Um, but I do think that against the other um, the other nominees, it's it's lacking in some relevance, if you will. And it does feel a little more classical in terms of its uh, its positioning in this list. 
It's also not telling a new story. Everybody knows Winston Churchill was amazing at his job. Yeah. There's no doubt anyone that's ever picked up a history book knows that, you know, Western Europe doesn't survive if Churchill isn't in power, you know? And like, so we all know his importance in history and where he, he did and what he did to rally Britain against the Nazis and to weather the storm until America and Russia came in to turn the tide. And, you know, and that alliance between Churchill, Stalin, and Roosevelt saved the world from the Nazis. Yeah. You know, and so that's three men, their alliance saved the world. And, like, so he is incredibly important in our history. It's a great performance, but it's not a new story per se. Yeah, and it's not bringing the innovation of some of the other uh, nominees. Yeah, so, I mean, even in just Three Billboards and Lady Bird, uh, they're both much more innovative stories and I think much more about our experience now as Americans and as a people and as a, as a culture. And I think because of that, I give them both better odds over the darkest hour, despite having really loved the darkest hour. Yeah. Uh, since they feel like companion pieces, should we move to Dunkirk? I, I think that's probably the right thing to do. And Dunkirk might be a bit of a debate between us. Yeah, we won't go too hard into Dunkirk, but let me just say that I loved it and I thought it was one of Christopher Nolan's best movies. Um, I was completely immersed in the theatrical experience. I thought it was uh, it was deeply moving to me. Um, and while I understood the criticisms that the characters were sort of thinly sketched, that that didn't that didn't remove me from that experience. I felt like I was connected to them on a level beyond what they could tell me in terms of their backstory. I felt like I shared an intimate uh, connection with each character in that story because I saw them in their most vulnerable moments. And I came out of that feeling incredibly conflicted about the message it was supposed to leave me with. And that was really interesting to me, that conflict between knowing that you are a hero and have survived against the greatest odds and also feeling like a total failure and not being sure of what lies next. And what's so interesting is that it ends with primarily the same words that the darkest hour ends with that speech from Churchill about moving forward and never surrendering and never giving up uh, and how the rest of the world will rise to fight for us. The new world will come to fight for the old. And in the darkest hour, it's this rousing speech given to parliament and in Dunkirk, it is a really almost swallowed and painful, heartbreaking thing to hear because we know that so many years of pain and devastation lie ahead of these characters. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty bold that Christopher Nolan um, made a movie where character doesn't matter. I totally disagree with you because he took character out of it. Um, there aren't characters in this movie. They're they're just soldiers. And, you know, it... It is edited in such a way where it was almost impossible for me to understand who was who because they all look the same and they're all wearing the same uniform and there isn't a distinguishing aspect between any of them. I hear that criticism. Um, I didn't have the same experience, but I hear it. And it, it, it has no business being on the best picture list. I think that is what will hold it back from being best picture is that that was the, um, that was the wide takeaway. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it, it's not a movie, it's an experience. And if you enjoyed the experience, great, but it's not an actual movie. And I think you can't be in the best picture category, to, in my view, unless you actually made a real movie. And this was more about 
Christopher Nolan's showing his technical, his mastery of the technical craft, devoid of story, devoid of plot, devoid of stakes. How can, like, a story in which the survival of 300,000 men had such little actual stakes in it. Like, whether any of those characters, there's a scene when the characters are all, like, in a, a boat and the tide is coming and they're being shot at. That, like, it should be so gripping as bullet holes are coming through. And as characters are getting shot and killed, I'm like, I didn't know which one was which. And they one turned out to be French. And I'm like, this one's a French person? Like, it was, it, 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 it took its sort of middle finger to tradition too far. Yeah, listeners, I'm just sitting here shaking my head. And I don't think we'll take this this uh, debate too much further because it really is two sides of a coin. People had very different experiences of watching this movie. And I was completely gripped the entire time and cared deeply for the survival of these characters. And that's just not how everybody engaged with the movie. And I think mine is kind of an unpopular opinion. I do think that it, it will or it should take home best original score because the work by Hans Zimmer to create that tension and to innovate the uh, movie score, I think was extremely powerful. I'm a little over the wahs going on in Hollywood right now. Oh God, and but the use of the like so ticking clock much. and the, I thought he did so much to tell the story through music and it was just as important as the cinematography. It was just as important as the editing in terms of how we experience the story. And so I think Hans Zimmer definitely deserves that award. I would say um, <clears throat> sound design. I don't know if it got nominated. For it sound definitely design. got uh, nominated for sound editing and mixing. Okay. Uh, and I think it deserves those 100%. It, it, certainly, it certainly had some of the most amazing sounds. I think Christopher Nolan um, directed the hell out of this movie. You know, and I just wish he would have given us a character or two, you know, to care about. <laughs> Cause so it's interesting. I really enjoy war movies and movies about battle and what grips you into a war movie is, is, is the character and understanding the character and what they go through and their struggle to live and die throughout the, the, the course of the battle. And when you remove that element from a war movie, at the end, you're just with loud sounds and bullets, you know, shooting off. And I felt like it was a Picasso. You know, he learned the classics and he's shown us that he can do the classics. And he finally took it to a place where he broke apart the formula and reassembled it in a new way to show us new perspectives on a movie we've seen many, many times. So I think it deserves to be in the best picture category. Do I think it deserves to win? No. Do I think it needs to be in best original screenplay? Not really. The screenplay is like three pages long. Um, but it got nominated for it's best nominated original. For best original screenplay. Yeah, that's a joke. Um, that's just a joke. But there I did no love screenplay. the movie. I did love the movie. So I think we should move on from this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Final thought about Dunkirk. Boo. Yay, Dunkirk. Um, shall we talk? Get out. Let's talk. Get out. I think this could be a surprise winner. Um, I I don't know how. Um, like how realistic its chances are for Best Picture, but it has been sweeping award shows. It has the most award wins of any nominee of any like movie of the year in the award season leading up. So now, it's won the most Best Picture like awards. It has awards? won the most awards in general. So okay, Best Picture, Actor, uh, Director, Screenplay, all of that. Um, it didn't win a Golden Globe for Best Picture. 
um, which isn't always the way to predict the Oscars, but sometimes you can tell from mm-hmm. uh, from the Golden Globes where uh, the Oscars are leaning. Um, so that's an interesting thing. But uh, I I am very excited that it's in there, and I hope that it brings home uh, either best director or best original screenplay. I think uh, I think Get Out stands a really good shot in every category it's nominated. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think the only thing that it has going against it is the fact that it's considered a horror movie and the Academy, they are snobs yeah, and they look down on genres that they think are less artful. Right. Instead of saying, look at how, you know, Jordan Peele elevated this, this genre that's not considered very artful and made it more artful. Sort of created a new genre in the social thriller. Absolutely. I, I think, it's it's main hurdle of the people voting is going to be, oh, it's a horror movie about race. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it can be harder to view it as a... Uh, Serious, quote unquote. Yeah, and the Academy has often just kind of snubbed horror films in general. Uh, the only like horror movie winners I can think of are like Silence of the Lambs. Did The Shining win anything? I don't think it won anything, oh no. Oh, God. Yeah, I think, uh, so the Academy doesn't like genres. It yeah, doesn't they like don't like horror. genre films. It doesn't like sci-fi. It doesn't like comedy. It doesn't like fantasy. It doesn't like fantasy. And I think it it that is its biggest roadblock, is that it's perceived as a horror movie. I think uh, pound for pound, like, if you could score, like, you know, put these movies in a boxing match, Get Out can duel with all of them. Absolutely. And every category that it's nominated for, I, I, it has a realistic shot at best picture. It may be the best picture. Yeah. That's why. Because yeah. it really did uh, tell a unique, fresh, and amazing story at a time where we needed that. We movie-goers, we, we fans of cinema needed a get out to kind of, especially us white folk to like shake us out of our apathy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think that movie was able to be both brilliant, technically amazingly well-written, have a super powerful and important message that we need to hear, but tell that movie humbly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Tell that message humbly, not hit us over the head with it the way like a movie like crash does. Yeah. You yeah. know, this was a, a suspenseful, amazing movie with great characters first that told a really important message within that. Yeah. It speaks uniquely to where we are as, as Americans and it, it does so by attacking a subject that is not commonly attacked. Right. So it talks to, uh, it it talks to seemingly liberal, well-meaning white people and says, Hey, sometimes meaning well just masks a deeper bias and it says something that I haven't seen in movies before, and it does so with incredible skill, with uh, with wit, and just like laugh out loud humor, and also complete and total terror. So it leaves you in a place um, of of incredible catharsis and introspection. All right. So here's my prediction: if Greta Gerwig wins for best original screenplay, Jordan Peele wins best director. I mean, that would be, like, ideal. And if Jordan Peele wins Best Original Screenplay for Get Out, Greta Gerwig wins Best Director. I think... You think those will be balanced out? Absolutely. I, think, I would like for that to happen, because I really want to see both of them honored in a big way. I think they uh, that is, I think, as likely as any scenario 
where they both walk away with an Oscar. I think in, in this, in the 2018 climate where racism is on the rise, where sexism is on the rise because our president is a racist and a sexist. I Not think, just because of that, but because, but, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's he, part of why. Yeah. He's leading the racist and the sexist into the mainstream. Yeah. So that's why it's on the rise. I, I'll be specific. I think that's the main reason it's on the rise. Um, not to get bogged down into that, but I think because of that, I think it, the Academy has the opportunity to honor both a woman and an African American man. And I think they will do it. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, there is one more movie that we uh, have seen that we should talk about in terms of its chances, and that is, of course, Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. Ah, uh, we saved this one for last, yes, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. All right. So before we go to The Shape of Water, do you have anything that you want to add about the movies we haven't seen? Uh, so we we hope to get to these movies. I'm really interested in seeing Call Me By Your Name in the way that it handles a difficult subject matter and uh, and and character, uh, and I've heard beautiful things about uh, about the movie and its adaptation of the book "Call Me by Your Name," which I think also does have a shot at best adapted screenplay in terms of what I've heard. Um, I yeah, so I'm excited to uh, to learn more about that movie. I don't necessarily think it has a shot at best picture, um, but of course they are talking about Timothy Chalamet taking home uh, best actor over Gary Oldman. So it'd be interesting to see what that movie takes home. Um, let's see Phantom Thread. You know, what is there to say about Phantom Thread? It has Daniel Day Lewis in it. It has Daniel Day Lewis. He's very method. He is very method. Um, I, I will be, eventually I will see this movie. I am not super interested in seeing a movie about a, uh, a, a difficult man who, um, has a relationship with a much younger woman when he's in a position of authority in 2018. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of merit to it, but I'm not that interested in that kind of story right now. Um, and I don't think the Academy will be either in terms of best picture. And I also think, you know, Daniel Day, you've had your awards, dude. You know, it's okay to let someone else win some. Yeah. You don't have to pull a stunt like I'm retiring from acting. Yeah. I love you, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, you're amazing. We we have nothing but love for you at the Midnight Myth. So let's get into The Shape of Water. Um, so of the movies on this list, The Shape of Water was easily my favorite. Yeah, it was it was up there for me too. It was my favorite until we saw Lady Bird. Yeah. I, and it's still super close for me. I think Shape of Water to me is the best picture. I think it's the one that's going to win. And I think it's the one that I think deserves to win the most. Yeah. Um, I think that's because... It uses uh, a time, a place, a character, a series of characters to tell a a fable and one in which that we can all learn from. Yes, and, yeah. And I think the overwhelming message of The Shape of Water is that, you know, love is the most important connection that we can have. And when we try to uh, live a life uh, pursuing other more cruel things, more colder things, we become more cruel and we become more colder, like power, like destroying your enemy. All of those to me are superfluous and not superfluous, but I'd say uh, less as important as love. I think that message of shape of water, it speaks and resonates to all of our current political climate, our social economic climate. So I think it has that weight of really mattering, but it does so in such a gracious 
and uh, in such a um, unassuming and such a delightfully Hollywood way, a way only Guillermo del Toro can do. Yeah. And I think it has some of the best performances. I think in every category that it's nominated, you could make an argument that it should win. Yes. Uh, it's told sincerely. It is told genuinely. And it is told with absolute heart. It's a fairy tale about misfits. It's a fairy tale about outcasts. Uh, you know, people who are counted out because of their disabilities or because of their race or because of their sexual preference in a deeply oppressive and repressive time for America in the 1960s uh, when when people are just starting to break out and say, no, we're not going to take it anymore. And it's also in love with cinema. It is it is a movie by a man who loves Hollywood, who loves the uh, who, who loves the art form of cinema, who loves movies and it is it is aware of its cinematic past in the in its use of color and its use of music and its use of cinematography and it's an imagined happy ending for the creature from the black lagoon it tells us that even monsters even people we perceive as monsters even those we think are so different from us that we could never get through to them can have the biggest hearts and can change our lives in the biggest ways. And even those who we can't communicate with because there's an ocean between us or, uh, or we don't speak the same language can really speak to our hearts. Uh, and that's a powerful message that, that I think can talk to anybody. Um, and it, it gives us a universal language of love and a universal language of movies and a universal language of Hollywood. Um, it's in the grand tradition of Fred and Ginger. It's in the grand tradition of old sci-fi movies. And it's uh, it's uniquely directed by Guillermo del Toro, who is such uh, an innovative and visionary director who gives us powerful visuals, but also deep and introspective character journeys. Yeah, like you mentioned Christopher Nolan as a Picasso. And I would say that to me, the Picasso on this is Guillermo del Toro. He is the one that has mastered the craft, who understands and respects the tradition that he came from and is also able to completely defy and upend that tradition without coming across pretentious. Interesting. In the way that Dunkirk does. I hear you. I Um, hear you. So what do you think, uh, Sally Hawkins, lead actress, do you think she takes it home? I don't think she takes it home over Frances McDormand, but I would love to see her get that recognition um, she ha- kind of burst onto the scene um, in a more mainstream way with Shape of Water, but she's been doing masterful work for years. Her performance in Happy Go Lucky uh, a few years ago was one of my favorite things that I've ever seen, and it has stuck with me all these years. Um, so I don't necessarily think she takes it home over Francis, but um, I was really moved by her performance. Okay. Uh, what about, do you think... Guillermo del Toro takes best director. I think he's got a really good shot at it. This is a really contentious category. Like we've said, I could see it going to Jordan Peele. I could see it going to Greta Gerwig. I could see it going to Guillermo. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to commit on this, right. but like we said about lifetime achievements, this might be the Academy's chance to award him for the work that he's been doing for all these years. Yeah. I think if it's not Greta Gerwig or Jordan Peele, it's Guillermo del Toro. Um, just the downside is, is I just don't think it's his year. And I, 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 for previous reasons stated earlier, 
you know, I think this is a year where it's it should and most likely will go to either Jordan Peele or Greta Gerwig um, because the the politics actually does matter and the the, the politics of America matters. Um, now that being said, if he Gilmel, is from Mexico, if Gilmel del Toro wins, I thought he was from Spain. He's Mexican. Oh, yeah. So if Gilmo del Toro does win, I don't think there's an uproar. I don't think no, people are not. upset. Yeah. I think he totally deserves it. And I think he, he stands a really good shot. And then what's the other one? Uh, we've got cinematography. We've got uh, best original screenplay. Uh, things that I think could swing its way. Sure. Sure. It could. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think the other predictions that I made, I'm going to stick with those. I think I think it will win Best Picture, and it stands a good shot in every other category it's nominated. Yeah. And, well, yeah, those are our Oscar predictions. One thing I want to share, just because I'm a writer, I studied screenwriting in college, and it was always kind of my dream to get up on stage and accept my Oscar for Best Original or Adapted Screenplay. Um, but what's exciting to me about the nominees for Best Picture, and this isn't uh, true across the board for all of them, but a huge, huge amount of them are original screenplays this year, and that's really exciting because we know uh, in terms of Hollywood blockbusters, we're in a time of rampant sequels and adaptations and remounts and reboots, and those are all well and good, and we can have plenty of fun rebooting franchises and extending our universes, but it's really awesome to see brand new, deeply original stories like Get Out and Shape of Water take hold and uh, so that's a, a glimmer of hope that I have uh, from the Oscars this year. Yeah, I love the big budget adaptations. Like, you know, I loved Logan. I love The Last Jedi. You know, and I see these movies and I love them. Logan but, is nominated for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay. And you know what? It, it has a shot, you know, but I love this list of, of movies. Haven't mm-hmm, seen all mm-hmm. of them yet, um, you know, but I think we saw all the ones that are going to win. Yeah, this has been awesome. Yeah, hey guys, enjoy Oscar night. Enjoy the bonus episode. Listen to it before the Oscars and let us know what you think. As always, until next time, be be kind. kind.